Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. Today is Friday, March 25th. 2022. S&P 500 currently sitting at 4519. I'm David Zarling. I'm here with Pratty P2T's Tulsian. You did such a great job back in February when you were with us. Dan and Ian are out of the office on vacation, enjoying family and friends for different events. And so I thought it'd be great to have you on, help me out to highlight some important developments this week. So thanks for joining me, Pratty. Yeah, Dave, it's great to be here. Um, I guess the first thing we could probably start with is rates. Rates. Um, yeah, he's jumping right into it. I love it. And, and I know we've talked about rates in your mind, bringing, bringing that up. What sticks out to you? What like that was top of, top of mind for you? What are you seeing there, Pratty? Yeah, um, when I look at just the 10 year chart, when I mean, we were watching this thing consolidate since march of last year around 1.7 and then it finally broke out retested and then just seeing it go and get follow through today um just watching that price action um you can really see the overwhelming supply in bonds and and rates are moving higher then yeah so you're you're talking about the 10-year treasury note yield which does has you know has obvious impacts across the credit spectrum so pratty's talking about 10-year treasury notes uh, currently sitting at about 2.49, and the breakout level he's talking about is around the, we'll call it the 2.03, maybe you could even argue 1.97, but it's a level we've been watching, uh, as you mentioned, Pratty, and, and for, for clients, it has ramifications, right? You, As you alluded to, right, lower bonds, higher rates. So bond parts of portfolios are in correction mode, which is raising rates. And there can be real world ramifications. You know, we saw a big, you know, a rise in mortgage rates this week. That's real. You know, we're around the 4% mark now in, in mortgage rates. Now, when we compare that to 10 years ago, it's still pretty doggone low, but it's a, it's a world, real world ramification. What else? And I'll let you flow anywhere you want to go with this, Pratty, as, th- as far as things that you're noticing with yield. You know, I, I guess I would like to highlight. The, the team put out a nice write-up to our clients this week. And one of the first things we talked about was just how atrocious is such a loaded word, but treasuries overall, um, not just 10-year treasuries, but overall treasuries have, are in their third worst drawdown in a century. That's a long time. A century is a long time. We're talking about going back to 1922. The only other times that were bigger were in the late 60s, early 70s, and then during the the crash of 1929. Now, I'm not calling for that, but it is notable that the 40% part of many people's portfolios, not here, we don't own a lot of bonds here. In fact, we're short bonds, but anything else in the bond space that's sticking out to you that you wanted to highlight, or do you want to pivot to a different part of of the market? Well, I would say we could kind of look at the relationship between stocks and bonds. Um, Okay. Anybody out there, if they pull up a chart of S, like the S&P and divided it by something like TLT, you'll notice that this ratio has been going sideways for about a year now. And over the last couple of days, it's 
gapped up and broken out with a lot of momentum. Um, RSI hasn't gotten overbought yet, which we'd like to see, but this ratio stocks versus bonds is one of the few things that's been holding up a lot better than I thought it would. And this, this ratio is important to look at because if you look at periods where stocks are outpacing bonds, that tends to be a pretty smoothly trending environment for the market overall. And okay. when this ratio goes sideways or even lower, you can probably expect some chop in equities. So this would definitely be something that we could throw into the bullish camp. This would be a bullish divergence with stocks versus bonds breaking out and the S&P not even back to new highs yet. And so you're saying when you look at a ratio of the S&P 500 versus TLT and TLT represents treasuries for those who are unfamiliar, you're basically just, you're just comparing a, a, an overall equity market versus an overall treasury market. And when that's breaking higher out of a consolidation, that's a risk on type behavior. Is that fair summary? Yeah. His, his, if you look back, you'll see that stocks tend to do pretty well when this ratio is trending higher. Right. And you're right. It has been when I'm looking at this uh, since May of 21, uh, it's been kind of chop and kind of a mess. And wouldn't you know it, just as we highlighted in the in the client letter this week, we've been in a corrective mode for over a year. And so this chopping sideways in this relationship makes a lot of sense from a it was a risk-off type environment, uh, bear markets across the across the globe. I mean, just to just to highlight that when we look at, for example, year to date, um, now this is as of of March 22nd, but the the year to date drawdown of the the Nasdaq back not that long ago was almost 20%. The median member inside of that, and this data is from Grant Hawkridge, minus 31%. And when we look back 52 weeks, so you know, back to this period where S&P 500 versus TLT versus Treasuries was chopping. To your point, Pratty, a corrective market was definitely taking place. You know, the Nasdaq, the median member within the Nasdaq, going back 52 weeks, down minus 57 percent, or the median member inside the S&P 500 down 29 percent. So there, there was, was or and we could still be in a bear market, but your point is this is this is information this week out of this relationship that points to the potential of higher stocks from here. We don't get to be surprised by that, correct? Yeah, definitely. So when we use ratios like this, what are some other ways we could we can use the concept of uh, of relative strength? You know, especially in markets that are soft or weak or you know corrective when we're in these type of periods. Can you walk us through our process as far as why we use relative strength and how we can use it in a correction to our benefit? Yeah. So when a market's correcting, you're going to see the indices making new lows. But as the indices make new lows, there's always going to be, assuming that eventually we go higher, there's going to be pockets of relative strength that show up certain areas of the market that don't make new lows. They might make higher lows as the indices make lower lows. And that's that's just supply and demand at play. The big institutions decide to buy certain areas of the market. Um, they don't let them go lower. And when the market turns up, they flow in. They flow into their first. So during this last phase, I, I guess since January, the market made a new low in January, made another low in February, and another low in March. But there were certain areas that held up better than the market. Metals and mining kind of stands out the most to me. Um, yeah, walk walk us through that. So you're you're saying that something like the S and P 500 or even the Russell 2000, or you look globally, all these lows in prices are are 
or new lows, I should put it that way, are happening in January, February, and sometimes even early March. But these areas, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So um, if you look at metals and mining overall, um, it bottomed with the market in late January. But since then, it never made a new low. And if you look at the individual components that make up the whole metals and mining space, for yeah, example, walk us, walk, yeah, walk us through some of those companies. Yeah, or, so or areas. Let, let's start with like I guess you can just look at the basic materials sector, right? That's IYM. This thing is making a new weekly high today. It never made a new low after January. Another area is steel. So SLX would be um, one way to look at that. If you look at a weekly chart of steel, again, you're seeing new highs. You can look at copper, COPEX, COPX. That's also making a new weekly high today. And even even rare earth metals, if you adjust them for dividends, another new weekly high there. For sure. And so you you mentioned, you know, you mentioned materials, you mentioned uh, steel mining, copper mining, rare earth metal mining. Are there names? So we you know, we like to fo- focus on on the on the all-stars or the big players in areas, you know, in, in the past, even in the write-up this week. We talked about Apple being a bright spot for the market overall, that if, if Apple's not going to roll over, it's going to be very hard for something like the S&P 500 and the, and the NASDAQ to continue to correct. In these areas, are there all-star players that that we should be looking at or that are giving information about the overall area? For example, yeah. like let's just talk about let's just talk about steel manufacturing and mining. Is, is there an all-star there or, or a leader that's happening there? There definitely are. Within steel, you have stocks like Nucor, um, okay. Cleveland Cliffs. Clients would be familiar with that one. Within copper, we have Freeport, Freeport Macmarin, FCX, making new highs. Um, within rare earth metals, you have MP, MP materials. So kind of seeing the individual components all making new highs, it's kind of just, it's just a beautiful thing seeing this whole trade sort of just line up right. um, with the overall sector moving higher. And then the individual components also confirming that strength. Yeah, I completely agree with your comment on a on a beautiful thing because all the evidence is just lining up. It, it's it's one of those things where if this were in a court of law, it's a slam dunk. You know that that metals, mining, materials, the leadership out of those areas continue to do what they have been doing, and confirmed it even when the market was weak, which is a huge factor. When 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 things are bleak, when the market is correcting, our one of our main processes that we go through for our clients is okay, yes, the market's weak, but what are the things that are strong? Because it's kind of like pushing down a beach ball in water because once the weakness broadly abates, these things tend to move higher to the upside. And so we want to pay attention to those. Yeah, Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing. As soon as every time the market bottomed, these were the the first areas to get bought up. mm -hmm. For sure. So that has significance in meeting. Like Pratty said, our clients, our clients are familiar with, with these things, um, whether it's in their portfolio or account. So the other th- interesting thing, I guess, I'd like to talk about a little bit that we look at for a ratio is it, it could be anything from growth versus value, large versus small, and you could you know you could call it a two, a two way market maybe because not every not everything is the same. For example, you could have. It's interesting that you potentially have growth back in the driver's seat along with metals and mining, but yet there's weakness in other places. So it's, it's a little bit of a two-way market. And, and how do we handle that? What are we going to, 
I mean, how do we handle a two-way market? Meaning there's definitely areas of strength, both growth, but also value. And right off the bat, someone would say, well, then just buy everything because everything's moving up, but that's not the case. Yeah. So um, one, one technician that whose work I really like, um, JC from All Star Charts, he, he always says, should I spend my time looking for stocks to buy or should I spend my time looking for stocks to sell? Um, and I think to answer that question in this market is you have to do both. Uh-huh. Um, there, there are areas that are moving higher, but there's also areas that are, I guess you could say they're making, they're forming bear flags, they're consolidating and potentially ready to make new lows. Obviously, over the last two weeks, the, there haven't been as many short setups, I would say. But for example, if you look at something like software, PSJ, um, if you look at PSJ versus S&P, I, I don't think that bounce is really, there's, it doesn't seem to be a lot of momentum in this bounce, at least so far. Yeah, which, which, is, a, which is a growthier area, uh, definitely, of the market, but not large. Right. Meaning, um, you know, when we think large cap growth, that's where we start getting into, you know, the, the, the bigger capped names like Apple, like NVIDIA, like Google, those type of names. But PSJ is definitely, these are not necessarily household software names. You're, you're, you know, you're not going to see it necessarily commercial for them during March Madness. <laughs> you know, in March Madness, we're seeing commercials all the time for QQQ, which is fascinating from a sentiment standpoint, in my, in my humble opinion. But I don't get to sit here and say, well, QQQ is not, or the NAS, QQQ is the ETF for NASDAQ 100. I don't get to sit here and say that's not going to move higher because there's commercials on during March Madness for it. Quite the contrary, when you look at some of these relationships, if you look at QQQ versus the S&P, it has reclaimed a very important level and could be moving higher. But your point is not all areas of growth are operating like that or acting like that. For example, software, which is a smaller part of growth, that's actually looks a little bit dicey versus something like the S&P 500. So not all areas of growth are the same. Small definitely appears to be weaker than large. Is that a fair, like if we were just to look at growth, forget everything else, just look at growth stocks. It's large cap growth that's in the driver's seat versus small cap growth. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. You want to be on the larger side of the market cap scale when looking at growth stocks. And to sort of put this into perspective, anybody pulls up a chart of mega cap growth versus small cap growth. So um, you could use MGK versus IWO and you okay. zoom out and, and we'll have these charts up um, on Twitter. Okay. So you can follow along. But this this ratio peaked in March of 2020. Um, this is interesting. And we finally in you know March of just a couple of weeks ago, we bottomed right where we peaked two years ago. So that former resistance is now turning into support and we're seeing this ratio bounce. So if this ratio is moving up, that means mega cap growth stocks are outperforming your small cap growth. Ooh, um, Pratty, this is a great chart. This is uh this is fascinating because you're talking what you're talking about is polarity in this. And I and I apologize that I'm interrupting you. I'm just ad- admiring this relationship and where it's at that it that it it broke this relationship, large cap growth versus small cap growth broke out back in November of 21. And now it just retested that level and it's moving higher. It's a significant level that we just tested and now it's breaking higher. Right. Really- yeah. And, and this, this sort of um, supports our thesis that we want to be, if we're going to be involved with growth, we want to be involved with 
the larger stocks in growth. And you know, one, one chart Kevin shared internally this week was NVIDIA versus AMD. I think this chart is beautiful. It shows it's been accumul- it's been consolidating since July of last year and finally broke out just this week. And I'm not saying that NVIDIA is a small cap stock at all. It's like a hundred billion, hundred something, but right. NVIDIA is 700 something billion. And this breaking out also then goes back to being on as far on the larger side scale of the market cap scale as we can be. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely. And you know what? Um, someday I'm going to bring Kevin kicking and screaming onto this podcast because he has uh, such great ideas and, and information that he puts out. So that NVIDIA versus AMD. So uh, that brings up a, an, actually an interesting because we're a fan of semiconductors when they're moving higher, right? That's a risk on characteristic. What are we seeing out of semiconductors overall? So semiconductors is in, they're interesting because again, it, it's a mixed bag. You have certain semis that are doing well, you know, NVIDIA's reclaimed a 200 day moving average. AMD is kind of, it's flirting with the 200 day moving average. Um, but then at the same time, you have important semiconductors like TSM that are, that this goes back to our, do we want to be looking for stocks to buy or stocks to sell? TSM is one I would probably want to be short if it's below 108. Yeah. Um, that That's a former support level, which we broke down from, and now we're testing. And so far we've been rejected one, two, three, four days. Right. Yeah. So, and that's a big, that's a big one. So it, again, another mixed area of the market would be semiconductors as a whole holding up. Okay. But on an individual basis, there's definitely some relationships to pay attention to on where you would want to be or where you wouldn't want to be somewhat related to that because we talk about it in the past is, you know, we typically, I mean, the, the, the trifecta, if you want to call it that I, that I think of from a risk on standpoint, and I'm allowed to change this definition in the future, but semiconductors, trucking and shipping, when those are all rising together, tends to be a very strong market environment. So we kind of have a mixed semiconductor environment. What are we seeing out of things like trucking and shipping? Because I mean, shipping has been so strong. Are, are shipping has on. been strong. Um, I mean, cli- clients would also be familiar that we were involved with shipping, although um, we also got out at a good time, I would say. I would so agree with that. If, if you look at some of the individual stocks within shipping, um, within the so the shipping ETF is Boat, but there's there's some individual names like Zim, um, DAC, EGLE, um, Grin, GRIN. And you'll notice a lot of these individual stocks didn't really make new highs while the shipping ETF continued to make new highs, which is a bit of a warning sign, a bit of a right. divergence. And yeah. now we're, I think we're finally starting to see the overall ETF coming down with the individual names. For sure. No, I think, I think that's great, great information. So we, we kind of have shipping, maybe taking a breather, mixed bag and semiconductors. When we look broadly, you, you know, we've talked many times about NASDAQ 100 above 350. That's a start. It has to hold that level. For example, S and P five hundred. It is nice to see it back above, you know, the forty two seventy five level. Now it's testing pretty important levels that go back to, you know, August September of twenty one was important high. We've got an important low in December of twenty one. So this is a really important area for something like the S and P five hundred. I would argue IWM or small caps are not out of the woods yet. So we we have a fair amount of mixed messaging out there, and rather than make this a, a 
and having an extended part of the podcast where we go into the weeds, we're just going to jump into it right here, Pratty, with you. When we look at equities and we look at large cap growth, as you've highlighted, it's interesting that we potentially, and this, this is information that comes from Jonathan Harrier, just talking about a, a kind of um, type of breath thrust that could be coming out of the NASDAQ 100, you know, just it, it recently logged a five-day rate of change of 10, 10%. Now this happened below a 200-day moving average. So the, the four returns on this are all over the place. So it, it all depends on what kind of market are we in. And I think that we still have to be patient on, on what type of market we're in. It, it's, it's not like everything's out of the, everything is out of the woods. You, you talked about software. Doesn't look all that appealing. On the other hand, NASDAQ 100 looks okay. One area the, of where we could potentially be tilted that we haven't really talked about are commodities. Like we've talked about them in the past at nauseum. And we talked about metals and mining. So the, the things that we're mining, are they, you know, how are they looking? Like if we look at like copper or gold or oil, when we look across the commodity space, that that thesis is probably still alive. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. If you if you step out and look at the weekly and monthly charts, copper and gold, obviously, they have their levels defined. They you know, copper did break out, but and it pulled back in. And same with gold. Gold also got rejected at those former highs. But I think the larger structure is very much still intact. And if if these, if copper and gold do break out, there could be a multi-month run, considering how long the space or how long they've been consolidating for. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting to when you're involved with commodities, right? If they're a part of your portfolio. The thing to be aware of is just they have a little more volatility. So even in an uptrend, commodities by nature are going to have more volatility than your standard equity. And that's so that's something to keep in mind, you know, as you observe what could be, and, and the evidence I believe continues to support a new commodity super cycle, if you will, where we see uh, commodities continue to appreciate. Now, they are also allowed to pause. You know, when we look at things like oil up against important levels, these things are allowed to pause. They don't have to go up every single day. And so we have we haven't, you know, I let's call it March madness. In March, uh, between equities, commodities and bonds, there's definitely information that's been given. In the month of March, we've seen commodities do well. We've seen bonds not do well. So if your portfolio construction didn't have that tilt, you probably experienced problems in March. When we look at like equities in this, you know, using something like the NASDAQ 100 down 20%, but yet rebounding here in the last two weeks, I mean, it's it's pretty significant. I like Ryan Dietrich had a had a some information out there just talking about 10 up days in a row that the S&P 500 has now gained greater than 1%. So that happened in November 08, November of 70, 1974. We've got eight one-plus gains in March. Looks like we're going to break that today. So that's most of any month since November of 2020. So it, it's interesting. We could have some breath thrusts on our hands, but what you've highlighted today, Pratty, is that yes, things look okay in large cap growth, metals and mining, 
some commodities, bonds don't look great. And then there's definitely areas of the market that are just bouncing off of their 40, 50, 60, 70% corrections. So with, with all that, we'll kind of keep this podcast abbreviated because I know you have to go. Anything you want to touch base on or highlight or talk about before we wrap this, this March Madness podcast up? <clears throat> yeah, um, you quickly, you mentioned the, you mentioned oil. And when you look at the energy sector, I just noticed this is making a new high today. And what I guess it's a little bit early for monthly charts, but if you look at a monthly chart of XLE and you adjust it for dividends, this thing's breaking out. Yeah. No, that's, that's 2014. Yeah, that's it's the highest. We would have the highest monthly close if we closed right here on a dividend or including dividends, correct? Yeah. Um, also an important level on a dividend adjusted basis for XLE, but it's had quite a run. And yeah, I love, you know, I, I know some technicians out there get all um, weirded out. It's not the right word, but I, I can't think of anything else at the, at the moment, but don't like to look sneak peek. I like to look at weekly levels. I like to look at monthly levels. So I don't think there's an issue with looking at those things from time to time, as long as you're not making your final purchase decision just on that. But great stuff this week, Pratty. I really appreciate you joining me. I know that uh, Dan and Ian will be back next week. They might carry the podcast while I'm gone. So it's a fair trade and uh, teamwork makes the dream work. So I appreciate everything you provide our team and the work you put in. Uh, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we have you on, man. Great job. Thanks. All right, everyone. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back next Friday. Bye, everyone. <laughs>